Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and this week I got to speak to a very dear friend of mine. It started out online uh, through Instagram and has blossomed into a real-life friendship. So I'm so, so excited to have her on the podcast. And uh, the guest is Emily Frost. I think that's what she goes by. I think that, uh, Emily, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, that's what I think your Facebook says. Um, she's just really Emily to me. Um, and she's also Kiro's Way. Kiro's Way Horsemanship. You can find it online. You can find it on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, it's kind of the name that uh, Emily does her horsemanship and her liberty training and um, has her whole philosophy under. And it's really amazing. She's a fantastic trainer and just overall fantastic horsewoman. Yeah, that I really, really admire. And um, we got to talk about some really f- interesting topics. I got to kind of ask Emily about her um, experience with horses um, in regards to love and healing trauma and um, her story, uh, finding, I guess, kind of finding herself and her truth and um, and how horses really helped her do that. And we also discuss the idea if horses can love or not, which I think is a kind of interesting topic. So it's a really fun episode, um, a really insightful episode. Emily is just like always has amazing things to say. So without further ado, let's jump in with Emily. Wow, busy, but really, really good. I have been spending so much time with the horses, so everything in my book is perfect because that's exactly <laughs> how I want it to be. <laughs> oh, that that's, is the best. And I can tell you're busy just like you're doing so many amazing things. So um, I feel like it's yeah, all good. Well, but I'm excited to hear. It's just like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard with this guy. Yeah, sorry. There's like a delay. So this will be super fun. We'll have to be really calm with our like conversations. So that we, yeah. Because <laughs> it kind of like a little, there's a little pause. Um, yeah. No, we've been really busy. Um, we moved to our sanctuary in February. So since then, it's basically just been my partner and I, like Kyle and I, um, fixing up the space, the land, the barn, like everything, fencing the house. So it's been fun. It's been such a creative project, and we've been able to just really make everything come to life, and the horses are so, so happy. Um, so, yeah, it's just been great. Yeah, it looks incredible. It looks like horse heaven, for one. It also looks like human heaven, I think. And, uh, yeah, for people who don't know, um, well, first of all, people should definitely go check out what you're doing because you're – pictures and videos just look like you're on a wild land and it it's incredible um it is wild (laughs) yeah it it, you have the pond and everything so what are you doing there like for people who don't who are new to you and uh and what are you doing on the property and um with all the horses and what's it like well it's magical (laughs) (laughs) 
I actually pinch myself. Like some mornings I wake up and our bathroom, it overlooks our, I call it our little miniature lake because it just, it runs the entire length of our hayfield and the sun rises right over top of it. And it just uh-huh. illuminates everything and everything's so golden. And it's like, I literally feel like I'm still dreaming. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's beautiful, but (laughs) the sanctuary, what we're going to do is we hope to actually um, just kind of start a little bit of a community and rescue a couple horses, um, but mostly inspire and learn and create. Um, When I was growing up here, I felt like there was like so many different outlets for liberty, but never here. So Mm. I felt like everything was online. There were so many kind of inclusive contests and photo things and videos and that kind of thing, but nothing was real. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to work with clients and actually like create these real interactions and connections, they craved community. So when I got my hands on some land and I started rescuing horses and expanding my herd, I realized that people needed a place to come to as well. So we just started to kind of shape everything around that. So the dream changed like over and over again and the image changed over and over again, but we kind of finally have a view of what we think (laughs) everything will be like. But basically when we we think of it and see it, it's just, it's community and it's just creating a space where People who really need this type of deeper connection with their horse can come to and find it. Ah, I love that. I, I really relate to uh, like the property I'm I'm working on, um, going back and forth and back and forth, like trying to figure out exactly what the vision is because there's so much you can do with a piece of property like this, and there's so there's so many dreams you know you can aim to fulfill and. And I, I also like, I think the community aspect is so important. And I love that you're doing that because I, even here, you know, I think you grew up in Canada and, um, that's kind of an isolated horse place. And I lived in California where there's a lot of horse stuff around, but in the Liberty world, I also felt incredibly isolated and I didn't know anyone quote in the real world, you know, anyone physically that was doing what I was doing or was interested in what I was interested in. And um, having an actual space and like starting to teach workshops and like connect with people and seeing actual faces and people feeling less alone and actually like getting to meet up and know their herd in that way, um, I think is so powerful. So I love what you're doing. And I think that's a great thing to settle on. And I feel like the more uh, all over the world this can start happening, you'll be like representing Canada, (laughs) like everyone. it's just so like beneficial to have um, a space like that for people to go to. It so is. Yeah. Yeah. It so is. And I would say that, um, yeah, I think it's like something that so many horse people need mm-hmm. is a sense of community with the horse. The horse is so good at providing that for us. There's such an example of it, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very important. Yeah, you know what it actually makes me think of? I I always like um when I started doing Liberty, I was 
a little bit, um, I guess a little sad that, that other, um, equestrian things seem to have like strong community, like around teams, like, you know, a jumping team or like saddle club, you know, and all this stuff where you got together with your friends and you were all kind of into horses, had the same interests and, um, and you could like explore that together. And it hasn't been till recently that I felt like I've made a lot of horsey friends that are on the same page. So I definitely feel like the more that can be common for Liberty and for this kind of thinking, like the better, like even I want pony camp. I want Liberty pony camp. (laughs) (laughs) I so agree. I so agree. Yeah. Well, I think like, I mean, that's how I was connected with you first was through Instagram. Yeah. And that was like for so long, a sense of community. And I think it's really amazing to know, like to see you as well, create this incredible community surrounding you. And it's, it is like a bunch of like-minded horse people. And when you have that around you, it, it challenges you and it pushes you to kind of expand everything that you already have established as your sense of ego or sense of I am, I guess, whatever you define as you. And it, pushes you to kind of have this more flowy view on life, especially with horses. It's so easy to get stuck with that. Um, So having, yeah, having that real community around you is so important. They just, they inspire you and they test you and somebody to collaborate with. And I'm so thankful for all of my clients in that regard and everybody that I've met down this path because they, yeah, they just really support you. Yeah. Yeah. I I so feel that. And it's interesting too, because I do think that, um, I'm sure you get this message a lot or you hear this a lot. And cause I do. And, um, people who reach out like on Instagram and say, um, you know, I'm really, really interested in this. This is like how I feel about horses, but I don't know anyone around me and I feel really lonely and it, and it's harder to like stand up for what I believe in or stay true to my feelings because I don't feel like I have that support. And, and it's interesting because I think both of us experienced besides online, not having that support. And what do you think really changed for you to all of a sudden, it feels like you've attracted a lot of that. And, um, do you feel like there was a mind switch that happened or do you feel like it was just enough time of getting the word out there and then finding people in your area. Like, how did that shift for you? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how is that shifting for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, everything is like this never-ending, beautiful shift. I feel like I'll never fully get there. I'll always just be learning. But yeah. um, I guess for me, everything shifts when something in my life was so real that I couldn't not be fully there. Mm. So I had to just kind of walk away from everything and just be fully there for a little while. And it was in that space that I guess I realized I needed to just embody everything I needed. Mm-hmm. And I needed to just be everything that I needed without external influence 
or without help. And in that space, I could be safe. So I did that. <laughs> and I'm, I guess that was my first step. And it, I mean, I guess that took years. Like, that was such a process. And I guess it's layers to find love for yourself and to find forgiveness and acceptance and to mm -hmm. shed things that re-arise and that come up and that trigger you. Or It's all just this big process. But in that space, because I had to do so much self-exploration, I had to find such compassion for myself. Mm -hmm. And I realized that having that compassion and holding that compassion and having that space for that allowed me to overcome so much fear. So I was able to just embody, start to embody things that I needed because I just focused on those things. So um, I think that a lot of our sense of loneliness doesn't really come from a lack of uh, support around us as much as it does come from a lack of knowing and honoring who we are. So I think I felt lonely because I didn't fully, I mean, I, know, I knew who I was. I was this playful, crazy, wild horse child who was like madly, obsessively in love with my horse. And I still am. And I still, I still love that child in me but I was so much more than that too and I, I think that to know that I am more than I am and I go beyond that it came from I don't know breaking down all of what I categorized as I need into what I want and just living in that expression and finding what was really true to me. And once I found and honored that, I found that everything just kind of flooded in. And opportunities came before I was even ready. And I just had to kind of close my eyes and say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And just trust that the universe was kind of placing everything in my path exactly when I needed it to be placed. So I just really, I guess, relied on my physical world in that sense so I guess I mean it was amazing because as soon as as soon as I did completely accept where I was for a moment <laughs> that was like things started to shift and I was able to just I don't know surrender mm. to everything and it was like I went from not needing support and creating my myself and my 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 own kind of sense of direction, and I just started to get this reassurance all around me, and this, this it was almost like a guide, and that was when community started to come and to form, and people started to. To, to want to be a part of it. Yeah, I guess it's like as soon as you start to just put yourself into it and you start to just really dedicate yourself to what you believe and what you know to be true, those opportunities, those types of 
beings, like everything around that, that energy that comes with that, it starts to surround you in life as well. I love that. I really, really agree. Um, yeah, I, I think f for me, and, and I want to hear more about um, what that process of coming to honor yourself looked like. Um, but I think for me, like, like you kind of mentioned, getting in touch with what my actual wants and what my actual needs were and or are, and honoring that and honoring um, myself with in a whole new way. Like, I really do think that uh, that is transformative. And that's where everything starts. And so I am really curious, what that kind of looked like for you? Like, what were the, um, what kind of tr triggered that for you? Or, um, or like, brought that kind of awareness into your life? Mm, yeah, well, when I was probably, um, I was 14, when my first horse, Piano, passed away. And I kind of fell into what I now know is my first kind of experience with depression. And it really overthrew me. Like it, I mean, I must have missed over a month of school and really avoided any interaction with anybody for a while. Like I was just very cold and I didn't really know how to connect. And I guess that I stopped kind of caring for myself, I went into this robotic mode. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just, it was just this obsessive game and it turned, the obsessive game turned into this need to control and it ended up turning into this need to control, I guess, food and exercise. And it turned into quite an, well, I want to say, like, I don't want to say that it was because of the eating disorder. I definitely don't want to give it that much energy because I think that while it was this massive experience in my life, it was just my first experience with tragedy. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you, when you experience tragedy, it's just like a reminder to find all of the love in your life. So I think that when I was really faced with moments of tragedy, I had to focus on what I needed. And I would definitely say that my first experience of deep loss, which was with my first horse, put me into that tragedy, that place of deep tragedy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's so, it's so powerful. I'm kind of um, really thinking about the different things we've talked about before. And um, yeah, I can, I can relate uh, to that, like uh, that experience. And it, you know, it can be manifested into something like a eating disorder or, um, you know, different obsessive uh things and like I've gone through um different like mental patterns and things like that and you know it can come out in all these different ways but ultimately it's like 
facing that for the first time. Yeah, definitely. And when you're so young, I mean, like, I think I was really fortunate. Like, I grew up with such a playful childhood. And I think it was really protected. And then I kind of, (laughs) I guess I was, like, born with this, this fight in me. So it was, like, as soon as I saw my first video of a horse. It was actually the first video of a horse being slaughtered. And, and as soon as I saw my first video, it was like I kind of became this little mini- miniature activist. And mm-hmm. through through junior high school, I created these petitions and I would go around and get all of my classmates to, to sign them. And so I think that I kind of like brought a little bit of stuff onto myself because <laughs> I definitely like just wouldn't stop digging for more information and just always wanted to kind of know the truth and Mm -hmm. know what was behind everything and why everything was the way it was. And like, I kind of made people frustrated that way, I guess. But they're important questions, like the game changing question. (laughs) Why why are we asking these questions? I don't get it. (laughs) But um, yeah, like, so I just, I, I was asking those questions and I think it really shattered my world a little bit because I just started to really see the truth about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, a it's shocking thing. Like, yeah, it's a shocking thing. It's like a totally shocking thing. So I think like when you do that and you go through that process and like it wasn't, I think the the, the tragedy le- led me to awakening. So there's always a beautiful positive to everything because in every after every moment of tragedy, it's just that moment to find love and Mm -hmm. I think that it really led me beyond something so I am thankful for everything but yeah there is that deeper aspect of it for sure Mm -hmm. how you know after you experienced that how did you find love like what do you think really helped you heal there oh my gosh community the herd horses so this was, I mean, this was like my total moment of complete collapse onto a horse. Like I, Tacoma came into my life probably a month after Tiamo passed away. It was completely by coincidence that I saw He's his Tacoma. <laughs> so people know, people who know you know Tacoma, but so Oh yeah, know. sorry, Tacoma is my <laughs> horse. <laughs> He's like your soul horse. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, he came into my life like a month after Tiamo passed away. Sorry. Um, I was like talking very slowly. Everything was very emotional. I have to talk slow when everything's emotional. Oh, yeah. no, no, don't say sorry. Yeah. I just want, I'm like, no. it's like, t- I, 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 can, I can like only tell her story without kind of like becoming this puddle of tears within like the last few months. Cause I've had to tell it so many times. So just, oh. yeah, practicing like. Publicly speaking, it's very difficult, everybody. Anybody who's an introvert knows this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you either. I just was like, Tacoma gets mentioned. And I'm like, you mean superstar Tacoma that like needs an introduction for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but sorry, keep going because your, your story is beautiful and, and, I, and I, I like your slow pace. Your pace is perfect. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> it's not even slow. Um, yeah, so Tacoma came into my life like a month after Tiamo passed away. It was completely by coincidence. And he was completely surreal to me. He was so 
quirky and cute, and he was kind of in that awkward stage. He was just three, so he was um, kind of like gangly, <laughs> and his knees were too big for his body. And when I walked into the arena, he was being lunged, and he had this awful expression on his face. And I was 14, so I pretty much always had that expression on my face too. And my heart hurt. <laughs> So it was like, oh, dude, I relate. Like, oh, I feel this fire. Like <laughs> these fucking circles. <laughs> yes, gosh, like this is so awful. <laughs> and I think that like I we went and saw a horse after that too. And I like, as I was petting this horse, I was just bawling and crying and sobbing and just like this, like, like ugly cry, ugly, ugly, ugly cry. And <laughs> We went home and my mom was like, was that the horse? And I was like, no, it was totally Tacoma. It was totally Tacoma. So he came home like a week later and we were sitting in the quarantine pen and it was like this moment of like realization. I think it was the first moment that I really came to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to come back. Mm -hmm. I had been mourning with Indiana, who was my mom's horse at the time. And she was like, she was so helpful for to, for me. But I mean, Indiana was kind of in this love triangle between me and my mom. So she didn't really have the ability to carry the weight of my full heart. So I think she was, she was just not quite enough. So that night when I had to come and I introduced him, him to Indiana, they just had this connection. And it was like Tiamo had told Indiana everything she had to tell Tacoma. Mm -hmm. And it was this ultimate love. It was like I was surrounded by community in a way that I had never felt before, but it was with a species that I wasn't conditioned to know how to deal with or to, to do this with, mm -hmm. I guess. So I guess I just had to free fall and... I think that that's what love is. Mm. It's that free fall and that trust. That's and right. so I just, yeah, I just like let the herd kind of take me in, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, it's so beautiful. I mean, it definitely feels like Tacoma was sent to you, like at the complete right time. And it just all feels so like aligned. Um, in that moment for you and for him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He is like, I mean, they're all my guide, but yeah. there's some horses that you just come and like, it's like when you are together, it's this total knowing, this total understanding. I feel like I, I definitely have that with him and he gets it. Yeah. Always kind of get it got or got it, <laughs> get it. He's always kind of got it. And I think when I say that, he's always kind of known that we have to find that connection to something that's beyond us. Mm. And for me, I mean, I've kind of, for so long it was Tiamo. She was the first thing that taught me to look up, look up at the stars and talk. She was the first thing that taught me to try and find spirit after the body was gone. So after Tiamo left, Tacoma had to kind of take that weight. <laughs> and I mean, gosh, the weight of a 14-year-old girl is a lot. I mean, we do not give our horses enough credit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I'm so incredibly grateful for 
the gifts that they do give us. Because as much as it is tragic, as much as loving them can be tragic, it can be one of the most incredibly invigorating experiences in this life. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, what amazes me too with that is, you know, I think it, it's easy after you experience trauma like that to kind of close your heart down and and shut off from other people and especially with this case like to shut off from other horses and the fact that you opened your heart and maybe Tacoma opened it for you but you know you you did open your heart to him and um and kind of like dared to love again I think that's something that it can feel so hard to open back up to that vulnerability but like you said it I don't know. It's kind of, that's the magic of living. And how did you find the courage to do that in the moment? Do you remember? Was it, was there like a difficulty or did it flow really naturally? Um, well, I think everything, like nothing is, nothing that's worth doing, I think is, no, nothing that's going to be profoundly changing <laughs> is going to be. Um, so there were moments that were incredibly difficult mm -hmm. and there were moments that were so beautiful and full of love that they felt effortless and time flew by, but everything was very up and down. Like, I think that it's, it was important for me to just be okay with that and to just be okay with the fact that I was going to feel really up and down. There were going to be days when it was really easy and days when it was really hard, but the days that were really hard, I had horses, friends, souls, spirits, whatever that I could rely on. And it was in that companionship and in that community with them that I was able to be okay with the days that were hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I feel you so much. I think you're, um... Yeah, sorry, I'm a little at a loss for words just because I, um, I'm really enjoying hearing this story and hearing your insight. Um, that kind of leads us to the topic that we were thinking about, which is um, horses and love and if horses do love, um, which I, I think we've both talked about that it's interesting to me, it's very, very interesting that uh, the idea that horses can or can't love is debated, um, <laughs> but it is. And, um, you know, your story like this, that is so, it's such a um, profound story to me. Um, and it just is so centered in love. And in so many ways, I feel like horses just are the embodiment of love. Um, it's it's just interesting for me, and I want to hear your thoughts on the idea that do horses love, do horses not love, you know? Um, what are your feelings, you know, after experiencing all of this? Well, I think that, oh, gosh, yeah, I just, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think that 
a horse's love is so undeniable. Sorry, you just went out a little bit. I like to think that animals. What did did you say? Because I feel like that that could be important. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Let me me find it. Okay. You think, okay. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that a horse's love is completely undeniable. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's hilarious that we even try to, um, like, debate about it. (laughs) I have literally, I think, been taught so much of what I know about love by the horse. And, you know, there's so many experiences in my life where I can remember being so confused by people's, like, denial of love in other species I mean it just has never even been been like a question in my mind you know yeah um I think as kids we all know we all know that they can love us I can and we all know that we love them yeah (laughs) but somewhere like somewhere along the line I think that we're really taught to think about our and our sense of I am is so strong that we can't, you know, extend further than that. And because we just kind of get stuck, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like we build up an armor for protection. I had felt so stuck and I had felt so like classified by what everybody needed me to be and I had built up this armor and it was only in the presence of horses that I could take that armor down Mm -hmm. and it was like they were so loving and they were so full of love and they were so forgiving like they just didn't they didn't care how I presented myself as long as it was with true love and as long as I, I looked I looked at them and I just felt love for them. And I noticed that it wasn't unless I came with this authenticity that they would accept me the way that I really needed or wanted them to. And I, I think I needed them to. Like, I truly depended on the love of horses for a really long time. And I think that that, I mean, to think that a human can do that, and I, I will completely admit to it, that's crazy I just and it wasn't that I wasn't getting love it was that I wasn't able to receive the love Mm -hmm. and so I just I could only receive it from who I was able to take my armor down around and that was horses and in that space where I was surrendering or opening or just being with them a lot of people like to think that it's it's just quiet time or something that's you know not as important with horses, but I think that that time in itself is where you connect to the heart and where you get to the root of what being with horses is all about. And like, that was just so fundamental for me growing up to have that connection to horses. I mean, everywhere I look, I needed some sort of connection to them in my life. So it was just, you know, really what guided me in the terms of in in terms of love like what love is god emily that's beautiful i i feel like so many people can relate to um especially like being young and um and going through adolescence or 
you know, even as you're an adult or, yeah, just not feeling comfortable taking down the armor and getting vulnerable with other people and feeling that safety with the horse. I think that it's, it's, horses have a love that is different than what we're used to in some ways, because I think it's far more unconditional. And I think sometimes we put conditions and hmm, it makes me wonder if sometimes our denial of horses being able to feel like have love or, you know, embody love and, and even feel like other emotions, you know, cause there's this idea that, um, that horses can't, you know, horses don't have feelings. They don't have thoughts and all of these, um, kind of, it's not dehumanization because they're not humans, but kind of that idea of all this stripping the horse of, you know, even the idea that horses can't feel pain or that animals can't feel pain, which is proven to be false. But, you know, that idea and all of these ideas, I think kind of allow us to treat them in a way we wouldn't be able to treat them if we recognized their, their shared qualities with us. And I think it's important oh to look at yeah. it. You know, yeah, like even, so yeah. <laughs> like I, I think about, um, you know, you think, uh, think about like a, a baby cow with their mom or like a baby horse with their mom and what happens when they're separated and the absolute agony. Like I live at a, um, uh, on a farm where, uh, this wasn't happening when I was living here, but, um, I used to visit and, the baby cows would be taken from their moms, like weaned basically and put in a different pasture. And the moms and moms would just cry and cry with like this pure agony that you can feel. It's like so palpable. It was all over the ranch. And, you know, I think it's only the denial of them having feelings or, um, you know, being it, feeling pain but also feeling love, feeling all these different things that, yeah, allows us to treat them in a way that fits our agenda and what's, and more of what's convenient for us, um, than, than it would be if we were to like really look at them as emotional and thoughtful beings. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I actually, when I um, work with clients, we go through the different lessons of the horse. And one of the lessons is to actually just, you know, offer those acts of kindness and to just pay attention to a horse's surroundings and their energy and what they're doing and what they need. And um, if they go to itch a certain spot, jump in and scratch that itch for them. Or Mm -hmm. if they seem like they're, you know, trying to reach some good grass, grab a big handful of the greenest grass and offer that to them. And get your horse interested in the fact that you actually are interested in making them feel comfortable in life. You know, those those acts of kindness will gain you so much respect from your horse. Mm-hmm. because it shows that you're selfless or you're you're going outside of yourself to 
show that you are seeking greater communication and you're seeking a connection with them. And a lot of horses actually, I think, I think what you said was so true, but a lot of horses also, you know, a lot of people don't think that horses and animals love us because a lot of horses and animals don't love us. Yeah. Yeah. We think that they can't love because they don't love us. And it's, I mean, we love them to death and we provide for them, but we don't go that extra mile to connect with them. We don't, don't go that extra mile to, you know, get to know what they like and what they don't like. And we don't go that extra mile to provide it with authenticity and with this desire to connect with them through it. We just kind of think that they don't feel that way. So we just half-fast it, and then our brain takes over, and we move on. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's when you can quiet down a little, and you can just stop and be with them, that they'll show you that they're capable of so much more, like so much more. Yeah. It's quite incredible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that taking that time and offering those acts of kindness will break down those barriers and give your horse more of not not love for you because you know you don't earn love by just (laughs) doing things for people randomly but I mean I guess that's one way to do it (laughs) but it's the full package you know communication is sound and space which is also doing but also receiving and um it takes it takes a tango, two to tango. So it just opens up that space for your horse to come into and then offer you something. So I think that it takes time and somebody who's really, 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 really willing to just listen. Mm -hmm. But when you are willing to listen, they are willing to love. I love that. Um, yeah, it's like so often we come into the horses just um, with kind of more of how to use them and using isn't the same thing as loving on like any planet. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> we want a communion. We don't want a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the what you said about um, the acts of kindness and like reaching and getting something for your horse when they're trying to like get the grass on the other side of the fence and those – uh, those little acts. It reminds me of uh, the five love languages, and one of them is acts of service. And it, it's totally what it is. Uh, and what's also really interesting with that is it makes you really think about what is love, because I'm um, I'm really into nonviolent communication. I say this every single time, but I'm just like super in it right now, and. One of the questions or one of the things that's brought up in it is, is love a feeling or do we kind of upgrade the idea of love to a need? Because I think it's true that every being on this planet has a need for love. A baby has a need for love from their mom and a human has a need for love. Horses have a need for love and we cultivate that love not just by feeling it. And we do feel it, but we 
we nurture it together and doing those things. Hmm? Sorry, you cut out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no worries. Um, But yeah, I think just we nurture it and it's more dynamic than we, um, than sometimes we even think with our human partners. You know, we might think, and not just our partners, but with anyone we love that's human, that it's like we love you and it's done versus love is some is more of like something we continuously nurture and is a dedication to show and give our love to fulfill other people's need for that and for our need for that to receive it as well and it's a lot more um it's a lot more of an active thing to participate in than just a I don't know I just think it it yeah, it just it's just more active. Um, it's loving someone, you know, is like something you can give and do, um, and not just something that's yeah. like a given. And isn't that beautiful? Like we need to give that. Mm-hmm. We do. We need to give love to experience it, which is such a test, like such a example of how powerful giving is. Yeah. And how, receiving. Like we really do. We just, I mean, at the, the root of who we are and what we want to do is give. I completely Which is amazing agree. Because, yeah, when you, once you give love, I feel like that's the first step. And to, to give, I mean, to receive, you give and vice versa. So I think, yeah, it just, it goes around and around and it all comes back to love and it's like this big whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It, I get headaches love I love it <laughs> yeah I love love I actually I think ow ow ow, ow oh my gosh how I just but oh god I, I love I actually love sorry okay. I just twisted my foot and I'm just like um oh no I'm trying to <laughs> trying to breathe off the pain but it's okay um I don't know what I just did but uh you cut out right when you were saying ow so it was like this robotic <laughs> like glitchy sound is really oh, ow, I ow, ow. hope you're okay <laughs> no it's okay it, it's fading the pain is fading it's okay <laughs> but sorry what were you saying yes I love I, I love the five love languages actually I didn't read it until I think a few years ago which is crazy because I should have read it sooner because it explains so much about I think why we might build up armors mm-hmm. against love to different either people or beings or species or whatever. And I think it comes down to like that root, like what we need and what we get from love. And it has nothing, it never has anything to do with anybody outside of ourselves. Um, I think that it, it was such a good book because it talks about every category of how we can kind of perceive love and how different people kind of perceive love and need it. And I think that when we, as we kind of grow, if we aren't aware of that and we are so kind of isolated and we are only able to perceive love one way and we're, not, we're kind of um, blocked in that sense where we have created that armor and we can't receive love from the people around us, I think that um, it's so incredible because you can, I mean, I certainly found space with my horse so that I was able to understand how they needed to love in order to find love from them. So offering those acts of kindness, scratching their back, giving them the cube under the fence, like all of those things. Um, 
I was able to understand how they needed me to perceive their love, and I was able to find love in that, and I was able to adjust, and I was able to flow and find that kind of fluid perception for them. And I think as a result, like, I certainly am not perfect, but I can definitely promise that I love everyone around me, and I can find love for them, which I at one point really couldn't say, but I actually promise that I can hold space for that and say it. And that, I think, is a lesson of the horse, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most powerful gifts that they possibly could have given me. And it's crazy to think that, for me, the most powerful gift a horse could give me is love, and then there's people out there who deny that they can even feel love. Um, But... Yeah, and the five love five love languages is a great book for anybody who hasn't read it, because of it also um, teaches that lesson. But I think that horses, I mean, they can teach every lesson that any deep book can teach you as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have to be quiet and listen. <laughs> yeah, to- totally, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree, it, and it's interesting. I've actually like thought about the five love languages um in relation to horses and like what my different horses like what their possible horse languages are and like for annie physical touch is definitely it's like on the bottom it's like last one but like um she likes gift giving she also likes uh acts of service a lot and um quality time But it's funny because you can, you know, and I don't know if they (laughs) relate like perfectly, you know, horse to human in that way. But um, it's fun to think about like getting more in touch with what your horse really appreciates and what shows them that you care. Um, I I really love that. You know, I actually haven't, I can't believe I haven't done this movie, but I haven't actually given my horses their own love languages. I've like, I I know what they love, but I've never actually classified it for them. I can't believe that. <laughs> I feel like I should. I feel like everybody should go and read this book and then classify their horses' love languages. That should be your homework. Take the quiz for them online. Um, I, it's funny because I haven't done it like, I haven't like really labeled it as much as I've just kind of like been out and been like thinking like, hmm, like what does what does Annie like? What would her love blueprint be and for the different horses and sometimes I'm not quite sure but it's really fun to think about and it kind of does give like just you know well it is I mean like the, the, I think the five it's like words of affirmation quality time gifts acts of service and physical touch and like if you think about that there's totally horses out there who need tons of talk like mm-hmm. um you need talk them through everything. I don't know. I, I know tons of horses who actually have words that are very conditioned for them. So um, a good can take a horse who's like completely in panic and unravel or yeah, completely in panic and ra- unravel and you can literally calm them with one word because it becomes this conditioned word. Mm-hmm. And they really heavily rely on it. And it's almost like the love is so charged in the words and they just feel it and hear it. And it's like, those are the horses that you'll hear or you'll see out standing out in the paddock and they'll be listening to birdsong in the morning or they get really distressed when it's super windy. And it's, those are the horses that just really pay attention to sound and just really 
um, rely on that scent for themselves. But then, like, um, for example, Annie, you said, loves quality time. I so get that. Like, Akira, who I consider my intuitive, I can't even share, I can't even share space with her if I haven't already spent quality time with my herd, like, as a whole. She needs me to be with them before she really wants to be with me, <clears throat> which is, like, yeah, I, I totally get that. And then, I mean, yeah, the list goes on and on. There's, I think, there's so many different ways to receive love. <clears throat> and I think that once you open up to that, that's when you can really start to experience deep, unconditional love. Yeah. And it's so fun to think about. Now I'm like, so for anyone who doesn't know the five love languages for people that uh, are, is in the book, five love languages are um, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, um, gift giving, and acts of service. I also wonder if like um, <coughs> words of affirmation, like Annie, eh, hmm, like I have to think about this more, but whenever she's like performing in front of a crowd and everyone's like, oh my God, she's amazing. And everyone's like cheering for her. She like lights up. She loves it so much. And, and she loves like if we're playing and I make a big fuss about like, oh my God, it's so good. Like with my voice, um, she seems to like, yeah, just light up. And I wonder, I wonder, I'm going to think about that a little more. Um, cause that's, it's cool. It's cool to think about in this way, you know, and even if they don't correlate perfectly, like, I don't know, it's just the more we can consider our horses and as individuals and, um, yeah, like see their, the depth of them, I think the better. Yeah. Because I think that the more that we can see the depth of an individual, it's such a true testament to the depth that we see within ourselves. Yeah. I think that once we feel that way that we see that outside, it, it's when we feel the way that we see our inside. So I really hope that we do <laughs> find love for everything and everyone because not find love, but find love in like that that ability to love, that find that deeper knowing in everything. Yeah. I think that that's when we've really found connection again. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then the world will just close up and everything will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think that um, we do need to come to that place yeah. for others and for... Um, like creatures besides humans. And I think that, honestly, as cliche as it is, especially because, I mean, I mean, this is a podcast about love, so we can just say love over and over again. But yeah. I think that it will come from love. I really do think it will. And I know, I know that that is a charged word, and I think that lots of people use it. But I still, it doesn't change how much I will believe in it because love is love is love is love. And I think that when you really are loving somebody, the only word that works is love and it's a feeling and it's a knowing and it's a place of being and it's an experience. And when you come to terms with that and when you truly feel it and you just let yourself feel it, there's 
nothing else that it can be. And I think that, I mean, there are so many experiences that I've had where love is completely undeniable. In fact, if I didn't have love with my horse and my horse didn't have love with me, I would die in some of the stories and experiences. But I think that it all comes from vulnerability. As much strength as it will give you and as powerful as it is, it's a place of softness, which is why I think it's so powerful and why I think that it is such a charged thing. So it makes sense that people have armor with it, and it makes sense that people um, kind of hold views that are quite strong with it. But I think that that's kind of why decoding it is so fun, and finding it in everything and everyone is so fun, because it isn't the easy way out. You know, you have to dig a little deeper to find something that you really love about the thing that's hard to love, which is yeah, kind of addicting once you really feel it. Because <laughs> it is, yeah, feeling a thing. <laughs> Power. Amen. Amen, sister. Hello, everyone. I am interrupting this episode to give you a message from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by WildFed. I am a minimalist and am try to be very, very conscious about what I consume, you know, both for myself and also especially for the horses. And when I was thinking about doing sponsorships for this podcast, I knew that I was going to be insanely picky and only promote things that I actually really use uh, consistently and really, really stand behind on every front, ethics and product and uh, how they, uh, the production of it and, um, and just, you know, looking at the whole package. And I am so proud to be sponsored by WildFed because they really do have it all and they are a company that I actually love and use all the time. So you might have heard I had a podcast episode with the CEO and founder of WildFed just a few weeks ago, and you can hear more about their products um, and more about how they started in that episode and also just get really good information on horse nutrition. But basically, WildFed is a horse feed company that actually puts in tons of thought into what they produce for horses. So much of the feed out there is just filled with byproducts of other industries and things that are not really good for horses to eat and just fillers. And until I found WildFed, I basically refused to feed my horse any um, grain that wasn't just pure Timothy pellets. And so when my horse Moon had a hard time putting on weight a couple of years ago, I really wasn't sure how to help her because the increasing hay wasn't working. And that's when I found WildFed. It has amazing ingredients and actually feels like really pure and all of them are sourced for the horse. Um, It's really well researched. I felt super comfortable feeding it to Moon. It was actually kind of a, like I felt like a godsend when I found it because it was everything I had wanted to find in a feed and had never been able to find. 
So it's pretty incredible. Um, I also love, just on a side note, that all of their packaging for their feed is in paper bags, so less plastic, which is really important to me. Yeah, I just I can't don't have enough good things to say about this brand. They put herbs um, into their feed, and they also have a whole bunch of new herbal supports, like supplements for the horses, which I am really, really loving. I've used the liver cleanse um, after deworming, and if I've ever thought the horses have gotten into something that maybe they shouldn't have eaten, um, and I love that. I've actually eaten it myself. Um, I've also eaten the stomach soother myself, <laughs> which is good for horses with ulcers. Um, you can also use it with dogs. They also have an allergy support and an endurance formula. And uh, yeah, you can go on their website and check out all the different um, herbal supports they have. I'm actually really excited to try the allergy support with my dog, who kind of is allergic to basically everything. She's allergic to outside and inside. So I'm excited to see how that helps with her um, skin issues and whatnot. But all the ones I've tried, I've just been really, really impressed with. And this is really the only grain I will ever feed my horses. And I would be supporting them no matter what, because I, I really, really believe in this product. So, so grateful to have them um, as a sponsor on the show. So thank you, Wild Fed. Thank you, everyone listening. And let's get back to the episode. I think that especially when I got a little disillusioned um, by the horse world and the way that you said that, you know, you had that moment of seeing what was being done to horses and then it was like shocking. Um, I think, you know, when that happened and I was disillusioned by like the kind of the pretty words of the horse world and I started seeing more pain in horses and more pain in the world, um, I started to kind of not conscious, not that consciously, like get this opinion or have this belief that humans are uh, bad in some way, that we're like inherently kind of cruel and um, and bad, and yeah, and that no, we all want good things. Yeah, I think that, you know, and so I kind of felt like it was like fighting the nature of being a human, like try to be good, try to be good. And um, I think what's really changed for me in the past few years, um, and even just really recently, actually, this is this is a little more recent. Um, I think as I've extended compassion to myself, to all areas of myself and and looked at guilt and looked at shame and looked really at the concept of good and bad and and the inherent guilt that those things trigger because those are saying, you know, it's giving this moral thing that we either are good or bad and giving this limitation to compassion with that. And I think that the more that I've um, I've leaned into compassion and gotten kind of gone away with that whole concept of good and bad um, – the more I feel very strongly that the true nature of humans is giving and is and that we're we're blissed out and completely wired to love 
giving, giving of love, giving of generosity, just, um, and like very, really strings, no strings attached, pure giving. And, um, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Whenever I do a Skype call, I never know how to turn off the, the dinger for the text. And I feel so bad. It's in like every episode. Um, but anyway, with the, <laughs> uh, it's okay. my dog was just like trying to dig his way into my office. So he was <laughs> kind of... Like, uh, oh no, not another one. Um, Oh, no. oh, well, I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. That's my phone. Um, that's actually my computer. Giving. Yeah, giving. Anyway, back to giving. Um, I think that's our true, I think that's our true nature. And, um, and I think that everything that takes us from it has to do with shame and, um, and feeling and being in pain and feeling ashamed of kind of who we are and having a rejection of self in a way usually because when we lash out in cruel ways we think we've labeled ourselves bad in some way and we're and we're retaliating and you know this isn't to be naive of the cruelty in the world because I certainly am not and don't feel that way um but I think you know it comes from shame and when you see that you can't help but have compassion um on some level because we all have and we all do experience shame and we all um know the pain of that and i think that's really where our you know fear of love comes from so it's been really nice to see that shift and i think it has totally um softened me to have that shift, you know, I don't know if it's the softening that has like changed my perspective or it's the change in perspective that has softened me, but either way they go hand in hand. And as you soften, you strengthen and, um, and you feel more comfortable with vulnerability and with love. And yeah, I, I think those are just the, those are like the natural, um, the, the, honestly the the nature of us and of course the nature of the horse so um yeah that's those are my those are my thoughts <laughs> that's my belief I feel like yeah the nature of us the nature of the horse the nature of the cat the nature of the dog the nature of the cow the nature of the pig I think we're like we're all at the end of the day searching for something that validates that we're connected more and we're doing good and we're okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all, yeah, we all just want, I think, deep down to be good and to be loved. And I think that a lot of our problems come from a lack of love. Amen. But the nature of us all, yeah, <laughs> I believe it's totally the same. Yeah, I think we're all seeking connectedness. We all want to be connected. And we do. We all just want to be We all just want to be connected. We do. I agree. <laughs> really it's do. so it's so and you know and it comes to everything like that comes down to everything. Yeah. Um it's funny I I overanalyze everything. Like that's just kind of something that I do and I love to actually like play through my life as if it's a complete movie and like 
why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why, what foreshadowed this? Like I, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could just these black and white reruns <laughs> of my life. And I will sometimes look back at every moment that I've really interacted with people and I've had to be an observer. And I think that working with pe- like working a job where you work with people or being in a place where you're around people lots and you have to interact lots is so powerful in that sense because all of a sudden you really become the observer of people and I think that this really happened for me when I started like working, working um, as soon as I was kind of old enough to do so where I wasn't just babysitting or just raising money on my own and all of a sudden I was like I was connecting with people so I was I worked in like like different service industries and then I like worked in retail and like all of these places, but everything had one thing in common. The root of the job was to connect with people and to make people feel like they were being connected with. Like that was the most important part yeah. of everything. And to me, I feel like that comes from compassion and from authenticity and from love and like everything we have just talked about because that's all we really want. And I think that, yeah, it's, so easy when you think about it. I mean, we just spent how long talking about it. So, it, I mean, obviously it's a little bit more complicated to achieve and to live and to do because our emotions and our mind gets in the way. But if you really break it down, it is so easy. It's so, like, it's just about such simplicity, just connection and love. And if you surround yourself with that and if you find space for that within yourself for you and you nurture it and you make sure that that is so fulfilled you can open yourself up to receiving love from others and giving love to others and you know living that life in love and just making sure that that is the karma you're spreading to everybody that you interact with and everybody that you touch and I think that love can go I mean love is if you choose for it to be, it can be a lifestyle even. Like, it is that powerful. So I think that we, just like, I mean, just like the horse, <laughs> just like ourselves, we just don't give it enough credit. The simple things in life, the simple things in life. And love is one of them. And the complicated, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> simple, complicated, all of it. It's everything. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, that also made me think just like a last note of this. Um, like, you know, if, if what we really want is to be loved and accepted for exactly who we are, because I think that's the real, that's the real need is not just to be accepted, but to be accepted and loved for who we really are. I think, you know, that's something you obviously see with horses. Like the horse, I think just wants to be accepted for who they are without needing to be changed. And, and I think the issue is we're constantly in a state of trying to change or alter them. Um, and it's just something interesting to think about, but thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It's, it's been really lovely. And, uh, yeah, it's always inspiring talking to you. 
thank you. Well, you know, I it's always, you know, those deep questions. <laughs> kind of, as soon as as soon as anything about um love comes up, it's kind of a big one because I think that it's the horses just don't get enough credit for it. Yeah. And a lot of people rely on the horse for so many um things like you said they be we ask them to be who they're not in so many ways and I think when it comes to love it's something that we need to start focusing on more with because I think that we really seek the space of horses for love mm-hmm. but it's been yeah amazing talking to you as well because I know that your love with Annie and your herd is definitely something that's inspired me throughout my relationships with my horses and I know that it's inspired so many others as well so it's been like a complete pleasure to chat with you and talk with you and step outside of my bubble here and to connect and talk all things horses I love it I want to come visit your bubble I want to I want to come see your insane sanctuary (laughs) I'm like I'm just so beautiful (laughs) I it looks like I said in the beginning absolutely insane amazing the only thing is it's about to be winter and I feel like that's pretty dang cold up there I'm I'm sure it's wonderful and oh my god it would be like a snowy wonderland but but yeah you guys you're you're tough cookies up there yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I you know what honestly horse armpits those are like perfect hand warmer that's <laughs> what gets me through the winter and when it's cold you just like bury it under their mane <laughs> super <Aww>. warm <laughs> you're like i'll bring you an apple and i'll get you the grass on the other side I'm of the contemplation. <laughs> sorry what <laughs> yes and but you let me I, put oh my i said hands. lots of time for contemplation you just like, oh. sorry what did you say <laughs> you contemplate with your hands in their That's armpits right. oh yeah <laughs> with your no my hands and my horse look at about looking up at the stars you know i love it letting them warm your hands up like people don't know this but um there's horse lots of armpit ways sweat warm. yeah it's not only a way to stay warm but also a way to reach enlightenment just stick your hands in there oh yeah but they're not when it's like minus 30 that's the only Oh my god! But and that's Celsius. They're fluffy. Oh they like lost. They lost. Uh, yeah, <laughs> armpits do not get sweaty. That's <laughs> they are crisp. They're crisp. But warm when you like get them in there for an extended period of time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Actually, you know um, I don't know if this is recording because this is getting really long. But um, oh yeah, we're still one recording. Of my I'm including all to this. Do is Oh, okay. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is to stuck to stick my hands in my horse's um like it's not their butt crack, but it's like underneath their where their tail is because it like traps warmth in their thigh crack. And I don't know, I've always just kind of done it. I'm sure I have caught every you know what? I'm no shame. I have caught every single horse girl here who gets comfortable enough to do it around you and kind of puts their guard down. <laughs> put their hand under their horse's tail <laughs> behind 
between their legs. So I actually, I have no shame for it because no shame. it is such a toasty, fuzzy, soft area. No shame. But you have to like, for me, because I just, I so respect horses' boundaries. I just, I won't go there unless it's like, okay. Especially because you're like behind the back legs. I mean, that's just kind of a um, tender territory. But I have to, like, they have to get up to that point where they know that it's just like, oh, okay, she's warming her hands again. And kind of like, <laughs> her, they, if they do it, they do it because they're like, oh, okay, it's fine. So, I mean, Tacoma's like, the rock star at it. I mean, if my client's hands are cold, I'll be like, oh, just like go stick them in Tacoma's butt. Like, it's oh not kind of like a normal thing. I and so it. when I get new horses, it's like something that I actually kind of work on with them. It's kind of like hugging, you know, you have to condition hugging so that your horse is comfortable with your hands wrapping <laughs> around their neck. Is so it cool just, if I just like, stick my hands later like, once you, in your thighs? Once Sorry, keep going. It's kind of lagged here, but um, I think this is so funny. I love it. Yeah, so like, anyway, like you stick your hand in their butt and it's super warm and fuzzy. So I'm like teaching, I was actually um, clicker training Akira to let me put my hand in her, like not in her butt because I mean, mares are different, but under like just under her leg, like against the inside of her leg, just like see if, if, if she would be comfortable with me warming my hands because she was the only horse that was in the shelter. My hands were freezing cold. Her armpits were like completely, completely muddy. She had been sitting and sleeping in some sort of mud bog. It was only under between like her legs that I was like, okay, I can find some warmth. And I just like put my hand up on her leg and she looked at me and it was like the most exasperated sigh. <laughs> but it was so funny because like, I don't know if anybody, anybody who knows Akira, she's so soft and like quiet and she's, she's very, very calm and grounded. And she only really like talks to you if you really talk to her. And like, she's just, she's very in- incredible. She's a very interesting girl, but the look she gave me, like she gives looks and everything, <laughs> everything that she says is in her eye. And she just looks at me and she, it was almost like, you know, when a friend puts an ice cube down on your back but you put it down like that one friend's back who just like stops and like very slowly turns and looks at you and then just gives you like this look and this long exasperated sigh and it's like enough of your silliness and they're just like so disappointed in you (laughs) this was Akira it was so it was just it was hilarious I don't even know how we ended up talking about butt warmers but that, that was my last so experience funny. with trying, trying to help a horse learn how I needed them to love me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, these are my needs. Oh. My- <laughs> that is so funny. I, you know, I can't think I've done a lot of really weird things with horses. Um, and like, and that's, this is not that weird. Like, I don't think it's too weird. Um, I've certainly done weirder, but because I've never like been even in the snow with my horses like I'm shocked normally things don't come up that I haven't done with them I have never even had the thought that I need to warm my hands by sticking my hands in my horse's thigh crack but I think is brilliant and if they're cool (laughs) with it you know like bonding and (laughs) and I think that's hilarious um and I'm really happy you shared that because now I know if I'm ever cold what I'm going to ask and, and it won't be a demand it'll be a true ask mm. but you know if they're willing 
and it'll just be love that they're willing to give you because they feel love. <laughs> so cute. Because they get enough love. <laughs> they, they love themselves enough. <laughs> Unless you're Akira, and then you love yourself enough to say, Emily, no. <laughs> um, so if people want to see you and they want to find your herd and they want to see your work and your amazing sanctuary, where can they look you up? Yeah, so um, I love to post on social media, but I don't always check my DMs. Um, Me too. I would say if you were to go to my website, that is definitely your best bet. It's Um And I think there's a link on the bottom. Email is really great. I think there might be a phone number on the website. <laughs> I actually just got, I got rid of my cell phone about six months ago and it's been like the best decision of my life. So I only really answer things when I'm in the house and I'm like focused on answering things, but I try to get to everything and I do mean everything. Like if I've never even done lessons and you just need to talk, I do try to get to it. So, um, Yeah. But that's kind of the best place to find out how to get to me. Great. Um, and all the information will be in the show notes. So you can just click on over. But you should also look up her Instagram. Well, thank you so, so much, Emily, for being on. You are amazing and doing fantastic work. And you're just like a shining lay, a shining ray of light. I'm like, yeah, it's five o'clock and I'm getting up at five o'clock tomorrow morning too. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm going to, uh, basically a 6 30 AM dance party, um, called Daybreaker. And you just go at 6 30 in the morning to 8 30 in the morning and you dance and you rave and, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, but yeah, so I'm doing that tomorrow and, and now, and now I'm just flattering because I think I'm tired and uh yeah anyway thank you for being here <laughs> it is great it is it's almost almost 10 o'clock but I you're so welcome thank you so much for having me and dance parties are the best the bomb. so I totally hope you dance all night long because that is the best especially with this moon right now I don't know about you I'm totally feeling its vibes I have been loving like this balance of creative thought and then actually manifesting it like same day. I don't know. Usually I like, I take a couple of days and then I go and it's just like this incredible charge, but yeah. So I feel like the dance will be amazing. I feel like everybody will just be on their best game. Yeah. Everybody releasing, especially <laughs> if it's a rave. So have fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, great. <laughs> I'm not quite sure exactly what rave means, but I think it's just everyone's dressing up like in sparkles and like glitter and it's like sober um and it's in the morning yeah, but it's i think that's what a rave is right like going yeah i think so well, thank you everyone for listening um if you like the podcast and you feel like subscribing or sharing it with your friends or uh sharing it on instagram or writing a review it's really really helpful and it just makes my day and it's so amazing um and it helps keep this podcast going and uh yeah i'm gonna stop blabbering now I'll see you guys all next week with a brand new episode.